0: Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and this is Back to the Bible Canada with Dr. John Newfeld. Today we continue our series, Wisdom Matters. So turning your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 to 27, as Dr. Newfeld brings us a message titled, Don't Change Course.
1: If you're on the wrong path, you want to change course. Don't keep doing that which is bringing death to you. Here's an easy example. If you're smoking, if you're doing drugs, if you're carrying on in any habit that will eventually bring you to disaster, be that anger or slander or even lust, you'll want to find an off-ramp. The path you're treading is the way of death. Of course, we always run into people who can't stop what they're doing. Or there are people, when they think about the end or the final place on the road on which they're traveling, well, they're filled with anxiety. And because anxiety feels bad, they decide not to deal with it. They keep on the road they're on without examining either where they're going or the off-ramp that they must take. All that feels overwhelming to them, and they just won't deal with it. I've known of people who have cancer, and they won't talk about it. And they won't get on the ball for early treatment because the feelings of dread and terror that confront them are so large. And so they carry on because carrying on today feels better than dealing with a problem today. You see, people stay on the road that leads to death for all manner of reasons, everything from the pleasure of the moment to a sense of helplessness and hopelessness, and even in some, living a life without ever contemplating where they're going. But that's not what I want to talk about today. Today I wanna talk about the opposite. It's the possibility of the person on the right path who for a number of reasons decides to depart from the right path and find the off-ramp and abandon that which leads to good and to life and to benefit. Does that happen? And if it does, why does it happen? So let's start with the first question, does that happen? Yeah, more frequently than we might think. See, here's an easy example. Someone is 70 years old, has never done any drugs, and suddenly becomes a heroin addict. Yeah, I've known of a woman that happened to, or someone who is older, has been faithful to their spouse all their lives, suddenly becomes an adulterer. Yeah, it happens. Of course, it's not just the old who get off the right path, but I have used an elderly person as my example in order to make the point. And the point is simply this. No path is so secure that there never comes a temptation to abandon it, and no path is so good that there are not those who will throw away all of its advantages for the pathway that leads to death. Why? And that's where we're going to go today. I've chosen to entitle my message, Don't Change Course. And that, of course, is assuming that the course that you're on is the course of wisdom, the course of the life of God, the course of the way that leads to life. Now, before I get going, I know, you know someone's going to write me and ask if, if I believe a person can lose their salvation, so let me be plain. The mark of being truly in Christ is that we will persevere in the way of holiness all the way unto death. This is the grace that God gives us in our salvation. It's a gift of perseverance. But how does God keep us on that path? And the answer is, he has numerous means of doing that. And one of those ways are the warnings he gives us. And another way is the promise he makes to those who remain faithful to the end. What then do we make of those who don't persevere? Well, I contend they don't do so because from the beginning there was something defective about their faith, but all of that's for another time. Let's get back to the admonition to stay on the path of wisdom, of righteousness, and of the path of holiness. So today I'm reading Proverbs 4, verse 20 to 27. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart As I read the scripture, all the references to body parts. I mean, one commentator has called this the anatomy of discipleship. And the idea is that this is an appeal to the body. In verse 20, the ear is mentioned. Verse 21, the eye, then the heart, the mouth, the lips, and then even the feet. And since the idea here is that we choose a pathway on which to walk, the idea is also that it has to do with body parts. There's a physical orientation to this paragraph. Imagine you're talking to someone, you're sitting at a table in a restaurant, and as you talk, the person on the other side of the table is constantly looking around the restaurant, perhaps at others and so forth. And at other times, you know, he's staring at his smartphone, and then he's making movements that make it appear that he's ready to get up and walk out. And you say, you know, I don't think you're listening to me. And he says, you know, why do you say that? And you answer, because of the orientation of your body. It shows me that you're not here in your bodily attitude. You're planning to go. And that's what the father in this paragraph wants to impress on his son. If you want to stay on the pathway that leads to life and to a pleasant future, orient your body for the pathway ahead. Now, we're going to notice as we get into the details that there are two lessons to be learned and that each of the lessons also contain a motivation for it. And the first lesson is in verse 20 to 22. It's a call for the son to listen carefully. And the second lesson in verses 24 to 27 is the call for the son to so orient the members of his body that he'll never leave the straight path. But we're also going to notice that right at the center of this paragraph, that is in verse 23, there's a key command. Everything revolves around verse 23. So let's begin. Verses 20 to 21, pay attention. Listen carefully to what you're being taught. We notice that verse 20 begins with the words, my son. We've already noticed that Proverbs is the instruction of a wise father to his inexperienced son. Fathers should be wise, and fathers should be training their sons. The legacy of a good family is that this activity is, is actively going on. I remember the first time I saw it, I was so impressed. It was the Jewish Sabbath. I was in Jerusalem at the Western Wall, where so many observant Jews were going to pray, and I watched because, of course, I was on the men's side of the wall, the amount of men with teenage sons. Fathers were bringing them a copy of the Torah, and each son had his time to read, and then instruction was being given as prayers were being offered, and it gave me the sense that reading Scripture and prayer, that was an extremely masculine thing to do. And that training the sons was expected. I I wish I could have taken that back and shown it to Christian dads right here in this country. Well, very good. Let's get back to our passage. My son says the father, you must now be attentive to my words. And with that, the first body part is described, and that's in the latter part of verse 20. Incline your ear to my sayings. And we've probably all seen it. If we didn't catch something someone said, we may put a hand to our ear and say, you know, say it again. Now, I'm really listening. And the idea that the son would turn his head so that he'd get his ear as close as he can to his father's mouth so that he wouldn't miss the next lesson suggests full attention. And then comes the next body part. The thing that I'm teaching you, says the father, must never be let out of your sight. We have to say that, you know, for our culture. We call it keeping our eye on the ball. Another way of saying it is, don't get distracted. Now, I'm saying these things at a time when my daughter her husband, and her family on a vacation, and they've left their two dogs with us to care for while they're gone. And so Kathy and I take them for a walk, and because, you know, we have wild rabbits in our area, uh, that wherever we direct those dogs, if a rabbit runs by, the dogs lose all sense of concentration. I mean, even if I say, rabbit, you know, they'll suddenly break whatever little concentration they have. You know, some people are like that. They learn the paths of wisdom, but their concentration is constantly being broken. Oh, look at that nice car. Hey, are you hungry? Did you hear a joke about, I wonder how my favorite sports team is doing, and did you see how much money that guy has? I mean, one thing after another breaks concentration because the life is not focused on a single goal. People can be on the right and good path, but they don't stay on it just like those dogs that I'm taking care of because one solitary rabbit runs across the path. And did you know that many people abandon righteousness because they can't keep concentration on righteousness? And the wise father of Proverbs knows that. Lock your eyes on what's really important. Pay attention. And Then he adds one more bit of advice. Keep them, that is, my teaching about wisdom and the way of God in your heart. You know, the heart's the center of all the affections, the place where we nurture the things we love and the things that we hate. It's from the heart that the imagination and the future plans arise. The things that keep you awake are the matters of the heart. If you make the way of God the thing you cherish the most, you're in the place where you're never changing course. But if your loves are constantly interrupted, If the voices and sounds of competing interests are always crowding in, even the best pathway is quickly abandoned for something vastly inferior.
0: If you love reading the weekly blogs from Dr. John and Company, then you won't want to miss out on Back to the Bible Canada's bi-monthly Truth in Life magazine in it you'll find articles from Bible teacher Dr. John Newfeld, Laffa Gaines Phil Calloway and other incredible guests all with excellent biblically inspired insight. Not to mention the stunning images and visuals. Here at Back to the Bible Canada, the aim is to provide resources without barrier to help enrich your walk with the Lord. That's why Truth and Life Today magazine is free to all who ask. To subscribe to the Truth and Life magazine and receive the next issue delivered right to your door for free, just call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca slash magazine. And thank you. It is due to the support of generous listeners that Back to the Bible Canada is able to produce and distribute Bible teaching resources like this to all who ask.
1: The 19th century atheist philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche wrote of something he called a long obedience in the same direction. He meant by that, that we should have something we pursue for a lifetime that makes life worth living, and that we pursue it all of our lives. I mean, Nietzsche, being an atheist, you know, didn't identify what that thing should be. But there is an essence of what he said that is, in fact, true. Any person can follow a path for a short period of time. You know, until something else catches their attention, and then they're gone. I once had a friend who was a lapsed Lutheran. You know, we often spoke about God and the Bible and the meaning of the cross and about eternal life. And for a while, he was making progress. But on one occasion, he simply told me he'd lost interest. No specific reason. There were just other things that had captured his attention. No, he hadn't rejected our previous conversation. He just lost interest. And that's what the father knows can happen to his son. The world is full of alternative pursuits that capture the soul. You know, the world of one-liners, tweets, Instagram images, one after another, so many souls have adjusted to the reality of having no attention span whatsoever. And their greatest enemy is distraction. It's not rebellion, not the choice of evil, but the distraction of everything from the normal to that which is evil. Now, remember that I said that at the end of each instruction, the father adds motivation. So that's what we find in verse 22. For they, that is my teaching about wisdom, are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. So notice those two words. The first one is life. The second, healing. Life is the word that promises a future. Healing is a word that promises that the carnage that's been done in a person's life can be restored. Whether you want to avoid the mistakes that lead to ruin in the first place, or whether you are in ruin and wonder if there's a way out, in either case, the teaching of wisdom that comes from God is what you want, it's what you need. Don't lose track of that. And with that, we come now to the center of this teaching, and that's in verse 23. Remember we said that. And verse 23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Perhaps a more literal translation would be to say, keep your heart with the greatest degree of vigilance that is possible. You know, Bruce Walkey thinks that means either to keep a sharp lookout, to keep, you know, someone or something in custody and restrain that thing as a prisoner or to protect it from an enemy who's lurking on the outside. You know, Waltke says, if we think of the days of Nehemiah, when when he posted guards on the broken down wall that protected the city of Jerusalem from the enemies that were around it, you know, if we keep that image in mind, it's a good image of what's intended here in Proverbs. See, the idea is there are many things that are lurking to break into your heart. I mean, think of that image, if you will. Many people are of a very different opinion. I mean, we have sayings in our culture that that foster the opposite, don't we? We have all heard, you know, the heart wants what the heart wants. I mean, the idea behind that saying is that the heart chooses its loves independently of the human will. And when the heart speaks, well, then the final word has been spoken. But the heart's not like that. It's not an independent operator that chooses its pathways apart from the influence of other people and other things. Rather, the heart must be guarded, for there are numerous things out there that subvert the heart. And in practical terms, that means that the young and inexperienced man who's embarking on a pathway that would lead to life, well, he's got to be aware how quickly his own heart can be deceived. And so the young man must guard what kinds of loves he exposes his heart to. And that's the key. How many of us know that there are things that are not evil in and of themselves, but that, although they appear neutral and harmless even, that they'll fascinate someone and lead them astray? Guard your heart, says Solomon. Guard what it is allowed to love. Guard and protect it so that it will hate the things that it must hate. And then he tells us why. The heart, he says, from it flow the springs of life. That is, your heart will determine your direction. Yeah, I will never forget one very sad funeral I've attended. As a pastor, like so many others, you know, I've led funerals of every sort and kind, everything from suicides to people who've died steadfastly in Christ. But on this occasion, it was you know for a middle-aged man who had, in my memory, if it serves me correctly, he had a very sudden heart attack, and then he was gone. This man, as far as I could ascertain, had no faith. And as the eulogy was being read, it was a list of all the things that man loved, everything from fishing to watching The Simpsons on television. But I was straining to hear if it might be so that there was an overarching theme to his life. I mean, was there a passion for something that was greater than himself or a cause for which he would gladly give himself? And in the end, it turns out there was none. There was no spring of life pouring out of his heart but there can be for the person who pursues the wisdom of God. The fountain of the heart is the direction that the heart takes. If it is the eternal life that God gives, if this is what the heart desires, this is what will drive a man's entire life. It will be the thing for which he willingly gives all that he can. And so set a strong guard over your heart, lest you lose that. Now comes the last section of this paragraph, about holding the course and not getting off the path. And this last section is a series of very practical commands as to what a person must do. The first is found in verse 24. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Now here the father directs the young man's attention to his mouth and his tongue. Crooked speech is speech that distorts. It dissembles. It's a lying speech, devious talk, deceptive talk. You know, the first practical command, be a truth teller for a lifetime. Stay away from lying speech. You know, the book of Proverbs will have much to say about lies and about attempts to deceive someone else. If you want to stay on the path of life, then you're going to have to make up your mind that you're not going to exaggerate. You're not going to distort or twist the truth. And you will not use your mouth to destroy others as well. Now, the second piece of advice, verse 25. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Let me put it another way. Keep your focus. Understand what's ultimately valuable. Keep understanding what's ultimately valuable. Never stop understanding what's ultimately valuable. Indeed, you might want to daily remind yourself of what's ultimately valuable. Perhaps you need to make a list. Here's what's valuable. God, eternity, holiness, your spouse, your children, a good reputation. I mean, these are the things that are of great value. Let me suggest things of lesser value. Your bank account, your income level, your house, your hobbies. Do you see the necessity here? So first, always tell the truth. And second, never take your eyes off the main things. Make sure the main things are always the main things. Now third, and it's found in verse 26, ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. And this is called the examined life. I mean, to ponder is to consider, to contemplate, to ask oneself whether the pathway you're on really is the one you intend to be on. Have you, in a moment of inattention, actually, in some fashion, come off the pathway that you are supposed to be on? It is possible that you really became distracted and ever so subtly allowed one degree off your course, and you've allowed it now to drift for years. Are you examining the way in which you live your life? And then finally, verse 27, do not swerve to the right or the left, turn your foot away from evil. And I suppose in the everyday affairs of life, there are all sorts of reasons to swerve. I mean, think about the motorist who encounters a pothole or an animal that's gone up onto the road or a patch of something like, you know, oil slick on the road. The natural reaction then is to swerve. And of course, to swerve under those conditions is wise. But what if you're driving along a sure road and the conditions are good? What if there's no obstacle along the way? What would then be the cause of swerving? Well, in such a case, think of the possibilities. The driver has fallen asleep, and he's suddenly awakened and begins to swerve. Or the driver is distracted. Perhaps he's looking down at his smartphone. Or perhaps he's just not paying attention. The swerving that happens then will be sudden, and it can lead to catastrophic results. And for all the reasons that I've just stated, don't swerve don't change course don't take the exit road off the road that leads to eternal life don't follow the foolish course of some who have left the good path and of course there are some who have publicly renounced their faith in christ and yes there are others who simply stop going to church and stop reading their bible stop bending their knee in prayer but for you don't change course the life we are after is nearer now than when we first believed. Stay on course above all things.
0: Thanks so much, John. Let me ask you this. How do we answer the more challenging questions in the light of wisdom that arise in life? Things like questions about life and partners and vocation and parenting.
1: Isn't it interesting how many um, decisions that we make early on in life that actually take us through to the rest of our lives. You know, so again, um, you know, in Proverbs, we have the father uh, teaching his son. And so it's, uh, these are lessons are learned early. But I mean, you asked the question about you know, the role of wisdom in marriage, for instance. I mean, how important it is that our children, both our you know, young men and our young women, know something about how to choose a life partner. And uh, what are the principles that they need to hold to in order to do that? And uh, we all know of individuals who have made a bad choice, and uh, that bad choice uh, you know, continues to you know, haunt them to this day. So uh, we can't now solve everything, but we can solve it at the beginning.
0: Thanks so much, John. And remember to join us again tomorrow as we continue our series, Wisdom Matters, right here on Back to the Bible Canada, Bible teaching you can trust. We often find ourselves consumed with never-ending to-do lists. Our feet and hands don't know how to be still, but God does not desire our productivity. He desires our heart. Back to the Bible, Canada teaches the Bible, not just for information, but to nurture our relationship with God. We ought to know God, not simply know about God, but it takes intentional time to slow down and be with Him. To help you make this happen, Back to the Bible Canada and Dr. John have created a new 30-day devotional called Quiet Spaces, Volume 2. It's the next in the installment of the Quiet Spaces devotional. This devotional is free this month and all you need to do is ask. So call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca to request your copy today.